All right, time then to bring in some experts to talk about how the markets are doing and all the big headlines that we've been spotting in the financial world. We've got RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood, joining in, as well as Frank Benzimra, who's the head of Asia Equity Strategy at Society General. Gentlemen, good morning. Great to have you with us. And Barry, I'm going to start off with you and you know what we're seeing out of Iowa and the expectation that President Trump is emerging as the clear winner here now. That could happen with some strong ramifications for, of course, the economics of the world. Yeah, you're right, Mega, you're right. And uh, yeah, I, look, no surprise, but uh, Donald Trump, I mean, he got over 50% of all these Iowans who went out in freezing weather to talk to their neighbors and to cast ballots in this caucus, which is a very curious way to go about business, but it's important and it's not to be minimized. Now we move on to New Hampshire, which is next week. And again, the polls suggest that Donald Trump will be triumphant there. Uh, Mickey Haley, who finished just behind Ron DeSantis, is in third place. She says, look, it's already a two-person race between myself and Mr. Trump. And I think, as you suggested in your remarks, if Donald Trump wins big in New Hampshire, a very different kind of population than the middle America, Iowa, I think maybe it is over and that Donald Trump will be the nominee. And I've suggested, as listeners probably know if they follow this, that Donald Trump and neither Joe Biden would be their party's nominations, nominees, but looks like I may be wrong, certainly on the Republican side. Right. Frank, this is a big year for the world. A lot of countries going in for elections. I think U.S. is, of course, being watched very carefully. And interesting comments, really, that came out of uh, the standard chartered CEO saying he's not too worried, it seems, if, you know, Trump is... uh, is uh, the, the presidential candidate and if he ends up winning as well. What's your sense of, uh, you know, how, how would we see um, Trump being the Republican nominee play out uh, for the markets? Well, that, that's uh, still a little bit early mm. uh, to, to say, but uh, uh, what is important, and especially for the emerging uh, emerging economies and emerging market, is uh, what is uh, the dollar uh, going to uh, what's going to happen on the dollar, and uh, more uh, specifically, what's going to be the policy mix. Uh, you have some uh, tax cut program or some extension of a tax cut uh, in the Republican program uh, starting um, in 2025. So are we going to see more uh, expansion of fiscal policy? And in that case, what's going to be the monetary policy? And this is what's going to really matter, uh, I think, for uh, for, for this part of the world, for, for, for emerging, uh, emerging equity market and emerging assets. Right. Uh, you know, we also have commentary uh, coming out from the U.S. Fed. Even the, the European Central Bankers seem to be divided what, could be, what we could be seeing on the rates front. And how does that play out in the, into, uh, you know, for Asia and what that could mean for fund flows coming into the Asian region, Frank? Yes. So you have uh, today in the market, you have some expectation 
uh, of a rate cut uh, starting in March and uh, to have uh, something like six rate cuts uh, in 2024. And, uh, and then this was very much the expectation uh, starting the year. And we see this uh, shifting. And uh, uh, actually, we can question the timing uh, of the rate cut. We can also question the magnitude of the, of the rate cut. And uh, what does that mean for the market? Uh, it means today you see the bond market and the equity market uh, moving in the same direction. And going forward into the year, maybe sometime in the second quarter or in the third quarter of the year, uh, you could see some form of decorrelation and some material slowdown in the U.S. economy with the rate falling mm. and the equity market being hit by some uh, lower earnings. And so we are not yet there, but uh, this is something that uh, if we take a fuller view of what this year is going to be, we should be aware. Right. Uh, Barry, would you say that that's uh, already yeah. starting to play out? Yes, I, I think Frank has got it right. And good morning to you, Frank. Uh, good morning. I, I like what you say about um, it's early in terms of American politics. So it, it's very premature to say that we know who the candidates will be in November. That's still 10 months away. And I also think you've got it right in terms of uh, the U.S. economy and uh, the interest rate. The interest rate is, well, as Jim Grant of Grant's uh, interest rate monitor likes to say, the most important price in capitalism. And I think he's got that right. We've got uh, a 10-year, as you said, Mega, over 4%. And now you've got Christopher Waller, who is a governor of the Fed, giving a speech a few hours ago saying that, uh, yes, we think rates will come down, but they'll be doing it carefully and methodically. So I think maybe Frank was suggesting that um, March is a bit early. I think he's right. I agree with that. Look, the economy in the United States remains strong at the moment. So unless things slow down rather rapidly, I would not see six or seven rate cuts in 2024. Rather, I would see probably if the economy continues at its current pace, something happening sometime after March, but not, not six or seven. But it also depends on what happens in Europe. And as Frank would agree from a French bank that, look, this is uh, an economy, the Eurozone is very close to being in recession. And the Ukraine war is really impacting Europe. There's a lot of pessimism. Britain's not doing well. So we're looking to China and the United States to sort of pull things up. And I think uh, probably that's happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good point and an excellent point of that. And talking about China, you know, we are going to be seeing a slew of data in a short while from now. Uh, the Chinese Premier, in a way, did uh, already iterate the numbers for 2023, over 5% growth that we've seen on the GDP level. But there are concerns. There are already the concerns have been building up in the various sectors of the economy. Has it, it you know, consumption's been lower. Real estate has been such a sore point. And we've had reports coming in of extraordinary stimulus funding possibly being um, thought about as well. And some rather large numbers at that, a trillion yuan uh, potentially in 2024, according to Bloomberg. Uh, Frank, what's your take on, uh, you know, what 
what's your expectation rather from uh, China for 2024? What do you think uh, we'd be seeing in terms of infrastructure spending, in terms of the sticking points for the government that they have to tackle? Yeah, so the, the first thing that we can say uh, is that uh, at least we see some kind of uh, stabilization of, uh, of growth, uh, not reacceleration, but at least it is stabilizing. Uh, then uh, you have a major issue, which is the housing crisis. And uh, when are we going to see some bottom in housing sales and in housing investment? So I think for, for the market, uh, this is really what uh, what we are what we are focusing. Uh, then, uh, so this infrastructure uh, program, so the special uh, Chinese government bond issuance of one trillion, is something that was uh, that was announced. Uh, it's going to be spent on infrastructure, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be supportive. But I would say that what's going to be really important is a kind of uh, support that the real estate sector would get, and more specifically, the funding to uh, the developer uh, in order to uh, implement and to 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 uh, to, to, to finish uh, all the um, all, all the project and uh, and all the all the housing. So, and this could restore the the confidence. Right. And for 2024, Barry, it seems like uh, the consensus that's emerging is that we could see, um, you know, some slowdown come through in China as well. The latest numbers that I think Reuters was reporting uh, said that, you know, the GDP, the top line number or the headline number could be looking at uh, 4.6 and cooling further to about 4.5% by 2025. That's really raising the heat on policymakers, isn't it? Well, it is, uh, it is uh, mega, but at the same time, I think there are some positive signs. I think if there's a big stimulus, that could give a real boost to market perceptions and equity prices globally. And I think there's also some good indication coming from the United States-China relationship. Uh, there was a pretty restrained response on both sides to the Taiwan election. And we're seeing these track two talks, informal, very off the record, between the United States and China on military matters, on financial markets, on tax policy, on lots of things. We're sort of seeing that activated. That's a good sign. So I'm not myself pessimistic about China, but I will concede to Frank, you're much closer to it. And I know that housing problem is a huge one. And I'm sure that policymakers in Beijing are approaching it with tremendous care. Right. And, uh, you know, before we wrap up, Frank, I just uh, I did want to ask you one last question. Uh, Barry mentioned uh, uh, Taiwan. And by extension, I want to talk about semiconductors in a way that is the hub of the semiconductor industry. And we've been talking all about AI, so much news on a daily basis that's coming in. And uh, the semiconductor companies are, in a way, the backbone architecture of this industry, isn't it? Uh, you know, before we wrap it up, Give us a sense of how are you approaching the AI industry at Society General? What's the outlook here? Yeah, and this is uh, this is timely yeah, because we are seeing the semiconductor company uh, reporting in the in the coming days, and uh, a couple of things are one. Uh, we see uh, AI revenues, the share of AI revenue into the semiconductor 
uh, to expand uh, quite sharply. It started two years ago and it is really a big trend. And the second trend is the computing industry is going to be the main beneficiary of that. So, so some markets such as Taiwan and Korea to a certain extent uh, could be among the, the major beneficiary uh, in this part of the world. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Frank and Barry, for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you.